Hi, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Queering LGBTQ. Ever since I learned what queer theory was, I haven't stopped thinking about it. There are so many ways to apply it to our daily lives. Each individual thinks that they see and understand what LGBTQ means, but I want to talk about how we can take a more queer approach to our standard labels. In the simplest terms, queer theory is a challenge. It's a challenge to the societal standards of gender and sexuality. It's a challenge to societal norms. Queer theory tells you to throw what you think you know out the window and then reanalyzes it as you bring it back in. Queer theory questions everything, and because it's theory, there's no one answer, or answers at all. It's an ongoing discussion passing through time, and now that discussion has reached me. Today we're going to be focusing on the term queer, its origin, history, and the ways that queer theory challenges it. The word queer has been around for centuries, but it didn't gain its current connotation until very recently. In Queer, a graphic history by Meg John Barker and Jules Scheel, they explain that in the 16th century, queer used to mean strange or illegitimate, and then odd in the 19th and 20th centuries. The earliest record of queer being used as a slur or an insult was in 1894. From that point on, the connotation started to change from odd to a derogatory term. The word had been used as a slur for a long time. But Barker and Scheel tell us that in the 1980s, LGBTQ communities started to reclaim the word queer as their own, taking it from an insult into a positive identifier. Many have reclaimed the term over the years, and now it isn't seen as derogatory. It's fairly common now that queer is used as an umbrella term, much like I talked about how gay could be an umbrella term to incorporate all of the LGBTQ identities. A lot of times, the Q stands for queer as both an identity and an umbrella term simultaneously. So what identities are under the queer umbrella? All of the LGBTQ identities are under the queer umbrella, but if it isn't the big four, LGBT, then it's usually lumped in with every other queer identity, which is valid for the sake of lettering because of course we'd have a never-ending acronym if we included every identity, but it's also excluding other identities and directing attention only towards the big four. A lot of times, you will see it written as LGBT+, or LGBTQ+, with the plus sign signifying all other identities. But it's hard to feel accepted in a community that erases your identity down to a plus sign, or doesn't include it at all. While this can go under the umbrella of being trans, I want to talk about the term non-binary. Non-binary means not part of the binary, the gender binary. This can come in many different ways, because non-binary doesn't tell people what you are, but mostly tells them what you're not. Some non-binary individuals feel as though they're in the middle of a gender spectrum, with one side being femininity and the other being masculinity, or somewhere closer to one side or the other. Some move along the spectrum depending on how they're feeling, others can be in multiple places on the spectrum all at once, and many aren't even on the spectrum at all. Non-binary is extremely inclusive because there's no specific guidelines to who can or can't be non-binary. Barker and Scheel explain that, quote, gender is still seen as binary in Western culture. There are men who are masculine and women who are feminine. The recent non-binary movement and its historical predecessors questions this whole notion, end quote. While we still have a concept of what masculinity and femininity are, they're all subjective. What one culture finds masculine could be seen as extremely feminine to another. No specific traits or actions, emotions, or dress are actually one way or the other. They're all inherently neutral until someone decides to assign it to a category, and we've continued throughout the years to keep these categories so divided, and as times change, things slowly shift, some moving from one side to the other or falling in between. 
Being non-binary can mean something different to each person, but it's viewed in opposition to the gender binary and taking all of these gender assigned traits and putting them back into neutral territory. Another term that tends to fall under the queer umbrella is asexual. Asexual is sometimes included in the LGBT acronym as LGBTQIA, with the I standing for intersex and the A standing for asexual. Although there are people who don't believe in asexuality and will erase it entirely and say that the A stands for ally. There is a lot of asexual erasure outside the community and within. In her chapter, Gender and Asexuality in Academic Sources in the book Gender and Focus, author Petra Filipova says that asexuality has been defined as the absence of sexual desire, or not expressed, and sometimes as a psychiatric disorder, which is different than celibacy because that is chosen, and being asexual is not a choice, just like any other sexuality. Filipova explains that many asexuals are for the idea that, quote, society should recognize non-sexual relationships as having the possibility of being equally important as sexual ones, end quote. Because sexual relationships don't define importance. Familiar relationships are held as important, friendships are held as important, and those are non-sexual. So any sort of partnership that isn't sexually involved should still be seen as equal. Being asexual doesn't automatically mean aromantic. And even if it's a platonic partnership or a romantic marriage, what individuals decide to do or not to do with their bodies is none of anyone's business. Yet people who do feel sexual attraction still feel the need to make it their business. This is why asexual used to be considered a mental disorder and is still being debated whether or not it is. And like with homosexual and transgender being pathologized, there then becomes a negative connotation with the identity as well as false assumptions. And once that spreads to the mainstream, it becomes an even harder struggle to be recognized as a person with a valid identity instead of a person with a mental disorder. Like non-binary, asexuality also has a sort of spectrum that in the ace community is usually referred to as gray sexual or gray ace. The Asexual Visibility and Education Network says that someone who is gray sexual, quote, might feel vague and infrequent sexual attraction, but it's not enough to act on. That's based on personal interpretation of intrinsic feelings and experiences, but the common ground is usually that people in the gray area have had some semblance of sexuality that's far lower than almost all other people who identify as sexual, end quote. Individuals can fall anywhere on this spectrum, from experienced sexual attraction on only a few occasions in their entire life, or may have long periods of time without feeling sexual attraction, followed by long periods of time where they do. Included in this is demisexuality, where someone cannot feel sexual attraction until they have formed a strong emotional connection with that person. There are varying amounts of attraction, but there is also varying interest in having sex. Not all asexual people are sex-repulsed. There are plenty of individuals who love having sex, they just don't feel any attraction. Each person experiences their sexuality differently, so not every ace person is the same, because sexuality is so much more complex than what people assume. So in what ways can we challenge these terms? For the term queer, I think it can be really great. The term can mean anything from gender to sexuality, and it doesn't have to mean anything specific. I can say that I'm queer without explaining who I'm attracted to or what I see my gender as. This kind of vagueness can be nice because as queer individuals, we don't owe anyone an explanation of our sex life or our bodies. And it removes the need to put ourselves into more boxes and separate our identities more and more. Instead, we are all just a collective of people who exist. It can be problematic, though, for individuals who do want a specific identity. 
If we all use one term, we can normalize the existence of all identities. But at this point in time, we haven't quite reached rights equally for each individual identity yet, so we need the divides to advocate for our specific rights. If we are all queer, queer rights could mean a lot of things, but trans rights individually can advocate for specific needs for those individuals. And since we still use many labels, it can be invalidating to have your identity grouped in with all of the others as one. For example, non-binary and asexual. Those identities are often ignored or forgotten already, and under an umbrella term, they would still be cast aside and not held as high as groups like gay and lesbian that have already established their identities in society. The term non-binary can be useful in the sense that it's very broad and encompasses many types of people. Even many schools and businesses now are adding the option to check non-binary on forms that ask for gender. So the options are male, female, or non-binary. And while having the option to choose non-binary does seem inclusive, and it is definitely a step in the right direction, if we start to view non-binary as a third gender, we start turning towards having a gender trinary, which is equally as problematic as our current binary structure. We would have all of the same problems, and people would still try to break out of it. Putting more boxes on people doesn't make it more inclusive. It just excludes more people who were previously comfortable where they were. So while it's a broad term, the part of society that is very ingrained in the binary just use it as another option instead of doing away with a gendered structure entirely. As for asexual, I think the term can be helpful in some ways, especially because not feeling sexual attraction in a society where we value sex so highly can make those feel isolated. But if we have a word and a positive identifier to attribute to those feelings, it starts to move away from the pathologization of it and into a positive self-identifier. And while it's nice to have a like-minded community, in labeling it, we are still separating those individuals from the mainstream society and putting them off to the side. All right, today joining me on the show is my friend Spence. Hello, it's me. It's so nice to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, love you. I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome. So you identify as queer, correct? Um, yes, I'm genderqueer and sexually queer and all in general a queer human in all aspects of life. I love that for you, honestly. Thanks confusing <laughs> yeah I, I vibe with queer it's just an all-encompassing term like you know I can say I'm queer and like you don't know what that means and you don't need to know and you don't need to know it's not their label yeah I'm like my gender it's queer well what does that mean you don't need to know <laughs> not important not, that's none of your business like like I'm not attracted to you it's none of your business exactly that's kind of that's I feel like why I vibe with it and also like the reclamation of it. it's just like yeah What's your history with uh, being queer and identifying with queer, either gender or sexuality wise? I was going to say, I've gone through so many labels before landing on queer, bisexual, and then a lesbian. And I, you know, my first date with a woman was not until I was 18, but it was just, I, I was sitting there and I was like, wow, I think I might be a lesbian, but I feel like, uh, like just a little bit pre-pandemic queer just kind of felt more right. And then we all got shut in and we had to spend a lot of time with ourselves and only ourselves. And I was like, you know what? Why am I struggling so much with all of these different labels? Gender for me has always been a weird one because back when I was like late middle school and I had a band account, I was like a non-binary entity. I loved being genderless. And then I had some accounts where I was using he and pronouns and other accounts where I was like, Haha, like she, her, but most of them. Actually, it was only two of those. 
or like knowing real people in real life. And I feel like that might have been able to tip me off, but it didn't because the way we're raised, it's like you don't really talk about those things, think about those things that like gets pushed back. So I literally have not been labeled as queer until like the past two years for like both gender and sexuality. I totally get that. They were like asked us to put like our pronouns on our like little door stickers on our on our dorm. And so I wrote like he, they, you know, I was just like, you know, it's just comfortable. But then like, you know, the more people started to use it, like I was like, I don't know, I just kind of like prefer they. But yeah. like, or I like prefer they over like he, but I was like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. And like, I didn't want to come out again. Yeah. It's a whole hassle to come out and like, it changes how people refer to you. And like, you have to tell everybody. And then it's like awkward when people misgender you. And it's, it's just a whole hassle. It feels like an inconvenience to be like, Hey, I'm switching this. Like, I remember I, you know, the whole name struggle being a queer person can come with name things where it's like I don't like how that refers to me because that feels like a past me as a queer person I feel like it's always justifying you know trying not to take up space it's very strange yeah no I I totally get it like that was that was like the entire reason that like I didn't want to come out as non-binary was because you know worried about like coming out and like having to deal with you know everybody handling it but like yeah it's like that feeling of like thinking that like you're an inconvenience because that's the way that like That's the way that society has viewed queer people for so long is that like we are an inconvenience. Yeah. And like, there's no reason to do that. Like people ask for nicknames all the time. People get called weird things. Like I knew a guy named Cheeto. I do not know his real name. I knew him my entire life. His name is Cheeto. I actually literally do not know his real name. And that's normalized. Yeah. It's like, that's fine. Yeah. So like, why can't I change my name? You know, like I have had to justify the whole how I go by Spencer with a lot of people. I justify it because I'm like, well, it's, you know, like some of my favorite characters were Spencer. And I feel like I have the urge to add some random Spencer character that I don't care about at all just because like she's a girl. Basically like hide some stupid irrational wraparound to just be like, it's just a nickname like any other person. I totally get it. It's like I hid like, you know, not using they, them for so long because like I didn't want to inconvenience people like I already knew that like it was a hassle like coming out the first time like just in general and so like finally like it's been like two years but you know people were like starting to still get like used to things it's so exhausting like it shouldn't be but it's exhausting because then we have to deal with the pushback we're expected to like take consequences yeah like whatever those people's opinions are and whatever their thoughts are and whatever grievances they have against us like because of that they put it onto us and they make it our responsibility when it's absolutely not not my problem that's not my concern either you respect me or you don't I understand if you slip up I understand if you maybe don't understand it fully I can help educate you to a degree but also that's not my my responsibility either it's not on me to explain to you all these things that is an easy thing to just go online and look up and find out more for yourself and be less bigoted it's literally so easy like people just forget that you can literally google what is transgender what is queer what is they them you can literally look up those things and you will find so many resources that will tell you and explain it to you in like simple like baby terms that will understand people who aren't in the community and if they did that and understood it then they could come back to us their specific people and have a discussion about it rather than going from ground zero where it just sounds like you're disrespecting us because you don't understand what we're saying and we're not going to go to baby levels to explain it to you we've been living it for years we're done with the baby And it's so frustrating because so many people are like, well, it's your gender. It's your decision to change it. So that is your job. And I'm like, 
No, it's your job to be updated and stay aware of identities and the way that people exist. Yeah. It's not on me to feel uncomfortable and have to explain myself to someone else. That's why I go by queer. That's like one of the main reasons I love the label queer. It's like, I'm not really going to explain this to you. Because if I say something trans to someone who doesn't really know anything about transgender, except for like, oh, that person, you know, is a transgender. Oh, sports. Or like, oh, so you're a boy now? Like, do boy things? Like, screw your gender binary, first of all. Yeah. Also, that's another reason why I use queer is because the gender binary to me doesn't make sense in my head. It's never made sense to me. No. My mom told me this before she passed, told her a little bit about the gender stuff. And she's like, that makes sense. When you were a kid, you always said that all uh, like Victoria's Secret mannequin type things, you always said that they, they should all just have nothing. It should just be like flat, like no bumps anywhere, just like a random rectangle of plastic. And I was just like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, you thought it was weird that humans were like put into like two different categories. I was like, oh, never knew that. That's literally so funny because- I have a very similar experience with mannequins. I used to see mannequins at the store and you know how like their like bottom half is just smooth because they don't put any like genitalia on a mannequin. But like I used to be like, why can't we just be like the mannequins? Like, why can't we just all just be smooth down there? Like, why, why do we have to have a specific thing? Like, why can't we just be gender neutral like mannequins and like you know I didn't get it at the time (laughs) and like now I'm like that makes a whole lot more sense literally yeah we our brains literally just do not conceptualize gender the way that society is trying to teach us for years and years and years it doesn't exist like we just made it up somebody made it up a long time ago and like y'all are gonna listen to somebody who made something up like such a long time ago that's so stupid like I literally said this like the other day, like there's nothing good about like being conservative about things because it's like it's literally conservative versus progressive. Progressive is what keeps you moving, what keeps you going forward. Why would you keep going back? It's not helpful. Like there's literally no reason to go back. Like, I don't know. I feel like old people are like afraid of change. They're afraid of positive change. They want to see us suffer. They're, they're just so stubborn. They don't, they don't want to learn because they, they, they grew up in like a different time. And like, they think that their beliefs are like fact. They don't have like an open mind. Like it's just, it's just completely closed and they don't have any reception. It's like, I can't talk to a brick wall. Like I'm not going to sit there and argue with, you know, some 60 year old man who's like gay people aren't real. Like I, I'm never going to change your mind. So like, I'm, it's not worth my time and effort. And it, it go, like for us, for our generation, that goes back to like, we are 20 something queers, whereas older queers not being here to be represented as much because they went through the AIDS pandemic where like so many queers that would be older now, an older generation for us to look upon, so many of them like passed. Queer people do exist, but they're dying and the entirety of our society didn't care. Lesbians would bring gay men soup on trays because no nurses wanted to go and be near them because they were like, oh, we don't know what this is. It's just a a gay flu. It literally like, it makes me so emotional, like realizing that like those are the people that should have been here. And like the reason why we don't have queer representation is because like our government just let them fucking die. It just didn't care about queer people. And it still doesn't today. We're coming back around with all this new legislation against queer and trans youth. And it's like, okay, we're we're going through it again. Like, what are we expected to do as queer people, as a community, when our community is like over and over again, put into this position of like, you're hated and 
what are you going to do about it? Because it's just going to happen again. Like, we're literally just like, it's constantly like a fight for our lives. Like, it's always been a fight for our lives. Obviously, like the AIDS epidemic was extremely different situation when literally fighting for a lot of lives. Like I mentioned in an earlier episode, I think it was like 16,000 Americans died of AIDS Mm -hmm. before President Reagan even said the word AIDS. 16,000 people. Can you imagine how many people that is? My biggest class size in high school was, what, 700 kids? That filled the, for graduation day, like filled the bleachers. And then that many, 16K, and they're all Americans. It's not like it was, you know, some random overseas thing that they weren't talking about. Like it was here. It was queer people. And the only people helping queer people was queer people. I feel like that's how it always is. And I don't know how we as a community can change that. That's like the thing is like, we, like we try so hard and like with the age of computers and like technology and being able to, to reach each other more. And like, like you would think that, oh, there's so many queer people. Like we can really come together now because we have a network that we can, we actually can find each other. It's not like you have to go to like your local gay community center. Like you can find your community. Even if you're like closeted at home, you're able to still find people like online. The only issue with that is like remembering that like just because I am on the queer side of social media and I see a lot of queer content, I have to remind myself like that's not what most people see. And like we aren't the majority. It just seems like a majority because I am only like exclusively in this group. Yes, that's what we take it. I was thinking about that because I have several um, like cisgendered heterosexual friends who you know, they're, they go to college and they're in sororities, but seeing Emma's TikTok page, my page is so different. Every other, if not every video that I scroll through on a, a thing like TikTok is like queer media, queer content, queer content creators. And it's just like, yeah, not everyone sees that. They don't see the bright and beautiful world that we have as a community. They just see nothing and or bad news about us. You're getting one side of a community Like you're not listening to our points of view. And when we try and voice our points of view, it gets pushed down. It gets talked over anyway. And like things get like taken down too. like queer content is constantly being like repressed and queer creators getting like shadow banned. And we talk about it and we bring it up and we're like, this is happening. Like we're being actively silenced and nobody's doing anything because they they don't want to listen and they just don't care because we're not we're a minority them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not part of this life. Like, I always wish that, like, you know, we were just living in, like, a blank slate world where we didn't have any of these labels and we just existed as people. Like, because that would be so nice to just exist as human beings. We put ourselves into, like, all these categories. Now we're just being pushed down and, like, we're being blocked out from society because we're a little bit different. And it's like, we are all still humans. We are all still the same people. Like, nothing is different. It's always them versus us. It, I understand it's a psychological thing of like humans will just go to a them versus us. It's a survival thing. But like, why do we need that now? Like that trans woman walking into a bathroom is not going to hurt you. It's not a them versus us. It's a, oh, that's another human. There's no need to other ostracize, push away queer people. Like that label is meant to be a unifier, not like something to put us in a separate category. The thing is, though, is that, you know, once we're unified, then is that they see us as this singular group. They don't want to even think about the fact that, like, we're just normal people just living our lives like, you know, so stubborn and they just want to go against us. And then anybody who has those labels 
is instantly oppressed because of that. Yeah. It's a lose-lose situation. Like having like a non-binary or trans label, even within those two communities, which are expressly like one community, like you're both gender non-conforming. Um, why does everyone insist on fighting about it? Like everyone's like, oh, like not trans enough or, oh, you're non-binary, but like, you know, you appear to be female, but you present femininely. I followed um, a TikTok creator. It was like beginning of the pandemic who obviously they were like outwardly like, I'm non-binary. Um, I'm AFAB and I really like pink things and I like to dress like, you know, nice and feminine, but like I am non-binary, please use they, them pronouns for me. That would be great. And it was a lot of people when you would go on their pages, they were non-binary and trans and gender non-conforming people. They were individuals who were within our community calling this person out and being like, you're not trans, you know, no, we're going to misgender you now and label you the way that we see fit. Even though we're in the same community, we should all be uplifting each other and being like, the way you identify and the way that you show us your identifiers is completely up to you. Like, I'll respect you as a human first. Your labels come secondary to who you are as a person. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was so nice talking to you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So what do I think? Personally, I love the term queer. But as much as I would like to just go unlabeled, we haven't quite gotten there yet as a society. So I like having just a generic umbrella term. To me, saying I'm queer just says that I'm not part of the binary or heteronormativity, and that's really all I need. Within the queer community, I don't mind breaking down labels with specific subgroups, but I don't think of it as a hierarchy with identities branching down, because being queer can be fluid. I see it more as queer being a big circle, and all of the other identities are little clusters inside and we can move freely inside of the queer circle. As for the term non-binary, it's one that I've only recently started using for myself. I used he, him pronouns for three years with some of my close friends using he, they, but I finally realized last year that I didn't like being part of the binary because it wasn't me. Even back when I first came out, I knew that I wasn't fully binary, which explained why I was never comfortable with being called a man. After coming out as non-binary though, and being referred to with gender neutral terms, I instantly felt so much more comfortable with who I was. I could literally feel the difference, like this weight had been taken from me. So I really resonate with the term because I haven't even been out as non-binary for a full year. I don't mind using the label because in my struggle to find myself, I was able to recognize that I didn't have to be part of the gender binary and that we can change our labels whenever we need as long as it feels right to us. As for asexual, I'd never really considered myself to be on the A spectrum until I heard about demisexuality. I remember reading the definition and going, oh my god, this is me. I had tried to explain it to my friends before, saying that while I can find individuals aesthetically and physically attracted, I don't feel any sexual attraction towards them unless I know them well. But they just assumed that that meant I wasn't into hookups. But it's not as simple as that. A lot of people who do experience sexual attraction are uncomfortable with hooking up with a stranger, despite having sexual attraction towards them, which is why it's a preference. In my case, however, I can't be sexually attracted to them, so it's not just a choice of not wanting to hook up with strangers, it's that I literally cannot feel any sexual attraction towards them unless we have a deep emotional connection. So for me, I like having a term that validates my feelings, because a lot of people just don't get it, or don't think it's real or valid. I wish that asexuality and the A-spectrum were more well-known, and that it wasn't assumed that everyone feels sexual attraction or wants to have sex. 
where we are now, our species doesn't really need constant reproduction as a necessity for survival. So the only pressure to have sexual desires comes from society, and especially from media. But not everyone has to have sexual attraction, because sex isn't that important on a non-personal level. So non-sexual relationships and non-romantic relationships should be held with just as much respect as those that are. All in all, I've come to one conclusion from these last five episodes. Labels suck. They serve a purpose, and they have a meaning and weight because we've given it to them, but they're unnecessary, and so many problems could be solved by eliminating them. Everyone deserves to be treated as equals, regardless of their identity, and I hope that someday we as a society can abolish these socially constructed divisions and everyone can exist freely. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's come along on this journey with me. Most importantly, I want to thank my amazing mentor, Dr. Latower. She was the one who planted that queer theory seed in my mind over a year ago that started a brand new passion in me. I wouldn't have been able to do this without all of her support and encouragement. I'm so lucky to have had a chance to work with her and I'm grateful for everything she's done for me. I also want to thank all of my interviewees, Gabby, Mikey, M, Jacqueline, and Spence. You guys are all amazing and I'm so grateful for the discussions we were able to have together. I want to thank my partner Mikey for staying up with me on those long nights I was up editing these episodes, my roommates for staying silent for me so I could record, M for always encouraging me, and Spence for always having such great ideas. And thank you to everyone who's listening. This series has been one of the best projects I've ever been able to do. I've learned so much, I've grown as a person, and I'm so proud of it. Seeing this podcast go from an idea in my head in January to a full five episodes now in May, it's so fulfilling. I'm so incredibly happy that I was able to put this out in the world and share this with you. This journey has been incredible, and I can't wait for the next one.